a lot of us just default to thinking of worship as singing songs to God rather than everything that we do that honors and glorifies God, that makes much of God, that pleases God. And so expanding our view of worship to, okay, really it's, it's an all of life thing, but the church gathers on the Lord's day and everything we do there is worship. So mm-hmm. even the conversations that we have with other believers uh, when we gather, conversations that build people up and encourage them, just stopping to pray for somebody, those are God-honoring, God-exalting mm-hmm. things. And so worship is everything that's happening when the church is gathering. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Make and Multiply. Uh, it's a joy to be with you this morning, Ryan, with my friend Ryan Chase, uh, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church. My name is Matt Groon, also one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church. Missing Caleb this morning. Stomach flu got him. Got him. They got, he got him. It will come for us all sooner or later. <laughs> it's, it is relentless in its pursuit, but alas, you and I... Well, you just got over yours. Got over it. I might I might just be immune. Yeah. Uh. That sounds a little <laughs> we'll see. presumptuous. There's going to be a moment really soon when one of my kids just goes down. And once they go down, everybody goes dominoes. down. That's right. It's just dominoes. So, but we press on. And this morning we're continuing. We're coming up on the end. We only have one more section of our part three, <laughs> good grief, on the Church of Christ. And then one last, one last one, which I am right now committing to. It will be only one. Okay. Only one episode, Ryan. One and only. On eschatology. So you need to rein it in. Okay. And you need to calm down. <laughs> Just prepare yourself now to be succinct. Okay. But today we I'm are going to... holding fun- back. That's right. We're going to look at the last section of the Statement of Faith on this, uh, this main heading of the Church of Christ, subsection number four. Man, it sounds like a very legalese. Subsection oh, yeah. number four, the purpose and mission of the church. And Let's obviously, this, this is going to encapsulate so much of our of us. Yeah. So I think this is definitely worth pausing and, and kind of taking one episode on. So mm. that's what we're going to do. So I will read it, and then we will dive in. So the purpose and mission of the church. As the body of Christ, the church exists to worship God, to edify and mature his people, and to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom in all the world. Governed by scripture, the church gathers for the teaching of the word, prayer, the sacraments, congregational singing, fellowship, and mutual edification through the exercise of spiritual gifts. As the Father sent Jesus into the world, so Jesus has sent his people into the world in the power of the Spirit. The church's mission is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. We do this by proclaiming the gospel, planting churches, and adorning the proclamation of the gospel through our love and good works. There will always be a gathering of believers on earth because the Lord promises to build, guide, and preserve his church to the end of the age. When Christ returns, he will gather and perfect his church from every tribe, tongue, 
and nation as a people for his own possession, and he will dwell with them forever. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes, that is the purpose and the mission of the church. So the first couple sections on the Church of Christ help us kind of define what the church is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's universal, invisible nature, it's local expression, it's more visible nature, and then the sacraments of the church, which again, add to, they have an edifying sense, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. but also the, the sacraments probably first and foremost function to define the church, right. define who are the people of God, it's those who take the sacraments. Signs and seals of Good. the covenant. But this section kind of answers the question, okay, now what? Right. And what's helpful about this section is it it we're located here, mm-hmm. right? This this is our day in and day out. If you're a member or a regular tender at Emmaus Road Church, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is what we're after. Um, so as I read it, I, I really think that first sentence is just really important. The first sentence of all these seem to be really important because oh, it yeah. kind of fronts what's most important. So I'll read it again. As the body of Christ, which is what was discussed earlier, what is the church? It's the body of Christ. The church exists to do what? To worship God, to edify and mature his people, and to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom in all the world. Mm. That really does... That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Yeah. That, that's what we... That's why we exist. That's what we're after. Yeah. So, so lay that out for us, Ryan. Yeah. There are three parts there. Uh, we exist to worship God. So, mm. you know, one of the ways you could frame that is the church, what are we supposed to do? What are we about? Who are we for? First and foremost, the church exists to glorify God. So when we gather, the top priority is not our own needs and interests being Mm -hmm. met in the gathering, but is God honored and glorified in everything that we say and do when we come together. It's upward in nature. Yeah. Yeah. And and that really reframes things Mm -hmm. rather than thinking, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a church that where I get out of it, yeah. everything that I'm looking to get out of it. No, I, I'm looking to gather with God's people and to glorify God. That's the ultimate aim mm. in all of it. And then the other two things I would say uh, come underneath that, because God is glorified in these other things mm-hmm. as well. So the second purpose listed there is to edify and mature his people. When the church gathers, one of the purposes in scripture is to build up the people of God in our faith, our love for Jesus, in our worship. So we are being taught and discipled, trained, corrected, equipped. God does that through his word. So that's the purpose of the church, to build up believers. So again, who is church for? It's for the people of God, that's right. for Christians to be strengthened and encouraged and fed and equipped in their faith, right. which also fulfills that first purpose. So I would say that first purpose is ultimate. It's overarching mm-hmm. everything else to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Church is for God. That's right. And and when we are built up, God is glorified because we're built up, what? In our faith. Right. When, when we're built up in our faith, then God is glorified and honored because we are trusting Him more. We're loving Him more. We're worshiping Him more. And then that third purpose listed there, to bear witness to Christ and His kingdom in all the world, means that th- there is another component to this. The church is for the world. There are That's lost right. people who don't yet know God. And the church exists to bear witness to the gospel, to proclaim to the world the truth of God. So Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, 
that the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth. So it's through the church that the truth of God is being held up and held out to the mm-hmm. world. And as that happens, lost people are saved. People yeah. who are outside the fold are brought into the flock and they come to know Christ. And again, that fulfills the ultimate overarching purpose. God is honored and he's glorified more as more people come to trust in him. That's the purpose of right. the church. So like I said, that that worshiping God could be seen as the, the upward nature of the church. And that really is the prime, that that is the goal. Yes. That is the mission. That is the purpose of the church. And that's the mission because it's the mission and purpose of all of us is to glorify right. God. And so that is what we do on a Sunday morning. And in doing that, there is a inward component. There mm-hmm. is a, a, a maturing that happens, an encouraging that happens, a, a, an edifying that happens. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, when Paul talks about these, what he calls the spiritual gifts, the whole purpose of them is not to get pride and here's all these cool things right. I can do, but rather the purpose of it is to edify the church, is mm-hmm. to build up the body, to Amen. strengthen it. So there's an inward component, and then what you just described, there is, by its very nature, if we're doing those two things, there will be a third component, an outward component. Mm-hmm. There is, by its very nature, a witnessing effect yeah. in a fallen world. It's which is important because we're, we're going to get to in a little bit maybe some missteps that, that the church can go through. Um, it's important to know that that is, that is not the primary, like the, the leading edge of the church. Right. It, these are, the, the order of this is important. If we flip that, we could get into some, some interesting places of, well, we exist in order to reach the lost mm-hmm. first. And then as we do that, we're going to be built up and feel good, mm-hmm. and then we'll think some things about God. Like you, you, you see how that order could get flipped and lead to not that those those that's wrong, but it could lead to some some dangerous thinking. Yeah. Whereas we want to be word centric, we want to be God centric, we mm-hmm. want to be gospel centered people in all that that means first and foremost, and then by worshiping God, we will be the the promise of of God's word is we will then be built up into Christ, into one another. Yeah. And then that as that happens, that will have an effect throughout our lives. That that will affect the way that we go to work. It'll affect the way that we interact with our lost family members or, or whatever. It, that will just have a uh, a witnessing effect to a fallen world. Yeah, um, that that's important. Yeah. A book that was life-changing for me was David Peterson's book, Engaging with God, mm-hmm. a biblical theology of worship and corporate gathering. And he makes the point in there uh, uh, that worship, that first purpose, the church exists to worship God. We tend to think of that too narrowly, like worship is what we do in the part of the service when we're singing. Mm-hmm. You know, So we, we talk right. about praise and worship music. Right. A lot of us just default to thinking of worship as singing songs to God, yeah. rather than everything that we do that honors and glorifies God, that makes much of God, that pleases God. And so expanding our view of worship to, okay, really it's it's an all of life thing, but the church gathers on the Lord's day and everything we do there is worship. So mm-hmm. even the conversations that we have with other believers uh, when we gather, conversations that build people up and encourage them, just stopping to pray for somebody. Those are God-honoring, God-exalting mm. things. And so worship is everything that's happening when the church is gathering, building up one another in the faith, bearing witness to the gospel of Christ. And like you said, I think our witness to the world then has two components. One is 
um, we are speaking and proclaiming the truth of the gospel to the world. People, you know, how does faith come? Paul says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So people have to hear. How can they believe unless they hear it? That's one part of our witness to the world. The other part of our witness, though, is that corporate witness, just the compelling nature of a community that's shaped by the gospel, which gives credence to the message that we preach. If, if the community we live in is shaped by the gospel, then our witness is both in word and deed. Mm-hmm. And people hear it, but then they see it lived out and they realize, okay, this is not just something people are saying and yelling at the world. This is something they believe and they're living it out. Right. And it creates a kind of community that's marked by hospitality and generosity and humility and forgiveness of sins and peace and people mm. who are in fellowship with each other and bearing one another's burdens. And that has a compelling effect. So when Jesus tells his disciples, the world is going to know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Right. It, it's significant that he doesn't say by your love for them, although there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Specifically, the thing he mentions is the way you love each other is going to be the witness to the world. That will be the proof that you are my disciples. So that's the kind of corporate witness effect mm. that the gathered church has to the world. Yeah. And that should have a, uh, and that, that I think what's important is that that happens by, by the nature of doing it. Like it's not a, yes, we need to be proactive in our mission, which we'll talk about in a minute in our mission, but that already has a witnessing effect, right? A uncomfortable, I remember reading a, well, it's a book on that book, Parenting in the Pew, um, which you think, what does parenting in the pew have to do with the church? Well, a lot, but the, the author she takes pains to say there should be a uh, a righteous and holy uncomfortableness for somebody who comes off the street and comes into the gathering. Um, in a lot of ways, there, there you should be asking two questions or come to two conclusions. First, I don't belong here, meaning this the, these aren't my people. <laughs> this is <laughs> that, different. This is different than what I'm about. Hmm. That's a step one, but then the second step is important, but I want to be. Mm. Um, what, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is not, hey, come to church and receive these things and do this work. The answer is repent and believe. Yeah. What must I do? The same thing Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again, and mm. it, by the virtue of that rebirth, now you belong to this people. Yeah. And there's, of course, that's the starting point. There's In the church is where that discipleship takes place and that hearing of the word and taking of the sacraments and being in community, all of that's taking place in the church, in the gathered body. I think that perfectly illustrates the point you were making earlier, that if you flip these three purposes, we exist to worship God, mm. to build up believers, and to bear witness to the world. If you flip that order and you make our witness to the world ultimate, right. then what people do is structure the church gathering primarily to make unbelievers comfortable. And right. so you lose that element. If, if an unbeliever who doesn't love Christ, doesn't believe God's word comes into gathering, um, you know, this has been called the seeker sensitive mm-hmm. model or seeker sensitive movement of churches where they're, they're thinking, uh, if we can just make our Sunday gathering as comfortable as possible for the unbeliever, so it's very familiar to them, and maybe we play some secular songs before right. we get into the worship songs, songs that they recognize, and um, you know, have some prize giveaway kind of you know games like a game show, just stuff that makes people feel at ease. If mm. we can make them comfortable, maybe we can win them. And you know, it's often been said, whatever you win them with is what you win them to. That's right. And if your primary goal is the unbeliever, to make the unbeliever comfortable, that 
affects everything else downstream versus our primary goal is to honor God in all we do. We want to be God-centered. And we trust that that will be different, noticeably different to an unbeliever who comes in. And that's okay because the whole nature of salvation is not you're fine where you are, just stay there and be comfortable and hopefully we can convince you Jesus is cool Mm -hmm. and fits nicely into your life. No, it's what Paul says in Colossians 1, he has transferred us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So so there has to be a a, a transfer that happens, like you said, a rebirth. Yes, you go from darkness to light, um, from worshiping idols to worshiping God. So it's okay if people come in and they say, this is different, this is uncomfortable, but the desire is as the spirit moves that people would say, but I, I want that. That's mm-hmm. now attractive and compelling to me. I want to be part of that. So, And we can't control, no matter what you do, no matter how cool you make your service, you cannot control that change of desire. Right. Because that change of desire really is the change between, uh, which is just an act of God's spirit, like you said. It really is this replacing the heart of stone with the heart of flesh that must take place. Yeah. That only the divine hand can do. No matter right. how cool and trendy and however you make your church service, um, y- you will not be able to do that. Um, and so what should we do? We should honor God. We should worship him, love him, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we do that, as we obey God's commands, we witness to the watching world. So m- maybe that's a good pivot to now, what is the church's mission? So what we described is the purpose. What is it? Was it, how does it exist? What does it exist for? But now that that church is on a mission, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just these, you know, it's been described as these outposts or these colonies within the, the, the fallen world. Yes. But the mission, God gave us orders. Christ gave us marching orders, Mm. uh, not just to stay there, uh, not just to stay in these colonies and just hunker in until he comes again to, to, to fix it all. Um, but rather he gave us a mission then, then he promised not only to empower us to do it, but that he will go with us, That's which right. is just beautiful. So let, let me, let's look again at what the, the mission of the church is. I'm going to read one more sentence, one sentence. He says, the church's mission, this is so straightforward, is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. That's Basically, just a quote of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Exactly. The Matthew 28, the Great Commission is the last words in the book of Matthew of Jesus to his disciples about to ascend, and he just says it. Uh, and of course, there are a lot of questions that come after that, uh, and, the, and the statement fleshes that out of what does that then look like? Right. How do we go about discipling all the nations? You know, it's been said there are a couple of commands within that to go, make, dis- make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them all that command. So there's a couple of commands. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original language, really, the only true command in its actual literal sense is that disciple, disciple the nations. Mm-hmm. That is the command. All the rest, they have command vibes, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But they're actually in a different format. But in a sense, they're saying, as you are making disciples, making disciples is the main thing, and you're going to do that by going and, mm-hmm. and baptizing and teaching, but all of it funnels down to disciple disciples. the nations. That, that is the chief command. Um, and so how do we do that? Well, first we have to go. We have to know what we're teaching. We have to, we're going to do that through the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the statement says. We do this, we fulfill the mission by proclaiming the gospel, planting churches, 
and adorning that proclamation of the gospel through our love and good works. Yeah. And that's been a big thing for Sovereign Grace, which started out before we were confessionally a denomination. You know, Sovereign Grace was among the, the, the list of kind of church planting networks, if you will. Um, and we, and I think this is right, decided to go the route of confessionally becoming a, a true denomination to secure ourselves in, in, a, in a crazy yeah, world. Theologically and doctrinally. Exactly. Which is why we're going through something like this, yeah. that we have something like the Statement of Faith. Other networks have not done that, and, mm. and I think to their detriment have paid the price for not doing that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But we're clear about what our aim is, and that mission is to advance, Yeah, right? And that's the point of Matthew 28. Yeah. And it is pretty common to find um, a lot of unity around the mission of just reach the lost. Right. And it doesn't really matter what you believe or what we believe, so long as we're all working toward that same goal. A lot of people find unity in that. The challenge is, as you get downstream, it it does matter. What are you? What is the gospel that you're proclaiming? How are you winning people? What does it even mean to win people? To make disciples? To multiply disciples? To form them into the likeness of Christ? Uh, so you know, it's our conviction. Jesus has told us what to do and how to do it. So Romans one, when Paul says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe." Uh, the gospel is what God has given to us to proclaim to the world. That's how God saves people. That's how he changes them. That's how he wins people out of darkness, transfers them into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so that's our mission, to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples by proclaiming the gospel. Mm. And there are a lot of other uh, competing priorities Mm. that the church is often drawn to and attracted to, things that we could give our attention to, other activities and such, uh, you know, humanitarian things and soup kitchens and save the planet and, you know, whatever political agendas. There are all kinds of causes and campaigns. Think about... Uh, what's the NFL's slogan? My cause, my cleats kind of thing. Like every <laughs> NFL player has, you know, th- they can have custom cleats to feature their particular cause. And when you are an NFL player and you make that much money, then the next thing to do is to set up a, a charity or a foundation for your niche cause. The church is not like that where each local church gets to pick like, hey, what's our cause going to mm. be? Jesus has given us our mission, make disciples. We do that by preaching the gospel to those who are lost. Because again, Romans 10, when Paul lays that out so beautifully, how can lost people come to believe? How are they ever going to believe? Well, they have to hear. And how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And how are they going to be told unless somebody goes? Which is why Jesus begins the Great Commission with that participle, going, right. make disciples. They're not going to hear unless you go to them. You have to right. cross some barriers, whether it's culturally or linguistically or geographically. You, you got to go to lost people and share the gospel with them. So that's the mission. And that gives us a lot of focus and clarity when there are all kinds of other things vying for our attention and our right. time and our resources. Making disciples is the mission. That's right. And you know, there's a reason why this in particular, the mission of the church is at the very, very end of the confession, almost, you know, the, le- the next step is the end, the, the eschaton. Mm-hmm. Um, not, it's not list- listed where it is because of its lack of importance right. or value, but rather it's, it's, it's listed where it is, it's ordered where it is because of all the other stuff needs to be 
pretty secure. Mm-hmm. It needs to be locked in before we go. Right. Before you go to the nations, we need to know what we're teaching them. How do we disciple them? Exactly how you said. Um, and we've, we were talking about this before. It's been said by uh, our friend Jeff Percival, who was just with us, um, that missions departments in seminaries are usually or have been the back door for heresies to slip in uh, to the church. And why is that? Be- well, because when, it, when, when, the, when we have something to do, like a mission, um, that can become our focus, right? That like, no, almost like a military strategy of like, object- we, need to, we need to reach the objective no matter what. At all costs. At all costs. Even if that means, and don't you understand how pressing this is? Don't you understand? Because and it engages our our emotions, it engages our our, our, our sympathies. Don't for you want to reach the lost? Exactly, and and it just feels so pressing and pressing mm-hmm. and pressing. Um, and that anything like, hey, maybe let's pump the brakes a little bit on this initiative. Let's make sure our we're talking about the doctrine of like we get our doctrine of God right or our doctrine of Christ right. Well, then. What, what what are you saying? You are you trying to do you not care for the lost? Yeah. Can be the charge, and so that's you. That's been a a backdoor, not, not just for heresies, but also just to ways to rebuke otherwise faithful Christians. Like, mm. stop caring about manhood and womanhood. Mm. Like, stop caring about compliment. You guys are having these infightings about the Trinity or the infightings about uh, you know who's. What, you know, what are the roles of husbands and wives and how many kids you have? Why, why do you guys keep talking? Why can't we just focus on the mission of the church? Mm. And in fact, in your bigoted discussions about about excluding women from ministry, don't you see that that has a, like, who would want to join that church? It's hurting when, the witness yeah, of the church. Don't you, don't you understand that hurts them? Exactly, the, the witness of the church. Mm. So you can see how that engages with our, our raw emotions yeah. and, and, that, and those right emotions to care for the lost and... Um, but man, that, that can have some real, that can be a, as one author says, a steering wheel mm-hmm. put on the backs of pastors and put on the backs of churches that can drive off the road real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, so then the priority. There's one, just one example of just like, think of the largest denomination in the US, the Southern Baptist Convention. It's massive. Yeah. Tens of thousands of churches exist with, that would claim to be SBC. What is that you think about that many churches and you think, well, there's got to be some variety of beliefs. And of course there, I mean, it's all over the map as far as of, of what there can, no, there is no confessional standard mm-hmm. other than the Baptist faith and message from I think the year 2000. Um, but it's very broad, very generic. Um, what is the thing that unites them? Mission. Mission. Their commitment to pool all of these tens of thousands of churches and their resources into one fund which is the fund that sends missionaries all over the world. Yes. And we want to be clear, that's a good thing. We yep. want, how, like Jesus or like Paul said, how will they know unless someone tells them? But when, you, when you're pooling all your resources together with such a wide variety of beliefs otherwise, there is going to come times where we hit these walls of like, well, what does it actually mean to... Win the lost. Right. Who are the lost? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all these questions start to come up. If, if you add into that uh, outline of Paul's questions in Romans ten, okay, how are they going to believe unless somebody tells them? We can insert the question: Tell them what? Right. What is the gospel good. that we're telling them doctrinally, theologically? We have to be clear on that. Jesus says in the Great Commission, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Right. So we have to be clear about what are the commands and the What's teachings of Christ. What has Jesus said? Who is this Christ? So that our message is 
coherent. So, so the message and the mission mm-hmm. have to be tied together. You, you can't, I think what you're describing, the, the reason that the missions department can often be the back door to these heresies and whatever is because the mission for some people trumps the message. Right. And if the message is viewed as problematic, like, well, that's offending people or people don't want to hear that this is a sin. Right. Um, so just modify the message, soften that, lop that part off so that we can move forward with the mission and, and keep winning people to Christ. So, you know, another example recent years would be um, the Bible's teaching on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And that can be framed as, well, don't you love LGBTQ people? Don't You don't want to offend them. We want to bring them in. We want right. them to feel welcome. We want to reach them. Yes, amen, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if that means compromising the teaching of Scripture in order to make people feel welcome, mm. th- then you're you're sacrificing the message for the sake of mission. And then we would say, then, then you're missing the mission as well. Cause you only have, you're only on target with the mission. Right. If the gospel message is still clear and consistent. Right. So the purpose must inform the mission. That's right. And, and the good news is we have a clear word from God. We have his word. We have, uh, we have Matthew 28, where before we get to what are we supposed to do? Jesus very bluntly just says, all authority on heaven and earth yeah. has been given to me. Therefore, because that's true, and because I have conquered the grave, because of his gospel redeeming work, therefore go, make disciples of all nations. And then that great promise at the end, and behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. So there is a a confidence that we should have in our mission. Hmm. There is a, uh, just a, a happy disposition that we should have, not a condemning, um, yeah, we want to wield truth. And truth is a sword, so it's going to be dangerous. But it's not our truth. It's not their truth. It's, it's, it's the truth, yeah. namely Christ. And not just an abstract idea, but a person. Um, that, that's what's so powerful. And that's why the church is the dearest place on earth mm. and the most potent institution on earth. Because Christ has, it's his church. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's his body manifesting his rule and reign on earth. And yeah. so we would say the, the mission of the church is to advance the church, to, mm. to, to take ground against the culture and against the world. And, and we don't do that through the levers of trying to just get the right people, our guy in, in office. We, we don't do that by trying to wield high offices, secular mm. states that then force their, you know, you have to be a Christian down on. We do that through, as, the, as it says, proclaiming the gospel, Planting churches, uh, maybe we'll take a. Well, let's just take a, te- a second on that, Ryan. What? Why that? Mm. That's that is a particular in a lot of ways to sovereign grace. Of yeah. Why don't we just send one-off missionaries, couples all over the world? Why is there a focus even in our confessional statement about yeah. we do this by planting churches? I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, the the point that the Great Commission calls us not just to win converts, but to make disciples. So it's Mm. it's not enough just to um, get a decision for Christ. We want to make disciples, which includes that whole process of once somebody has put their faith in Christ, then building them up in Christ, discipling them, teaching them, training them to walk in God's ways. And when you have a biblical understanding of 
the nature of that mission, you continue on after the Gospels into the book of Acts, you see this is not just about individual salvation, like Jesus is saving individual people here and there. When individuals are saved, they are always gathered together into a local church. So if you just read through the book of Acts and pay attention to every mention of the church, you'll find these stories where um, missionaries like Paul will come to a city where there are no Christians, no disciples of Jesus. A missionary. He goes on missionary trips. Right. And the result is not a whole bunch of individuals saved. Right. The result is churches are planted. Exactly. He'll, he'll come into a city. There are no disciples. He'll preach the gospel. It says that uh, many believed, and then the church gathered there. Well, what is the church? There was no church. What is that? That's just the gathering of all the new disciples there. And so then elders have to be appointed. And so you have a letter like Titus, where Paul is writing to a young pastor saying, this is why I left you in Crete to appoint elders in every church there. So Mm -hmm. there's work to do. So that's why church planting is part of that priority for us. It's not enough to just say, well, we'll go around preaching the gospel and then we'll move on. No, there's a a ripe harvest, Jesus says. And when that harvest is gathered in, those believers are gathered together into churches and churches have to be built and strengthened and elders have to be developed and appointed and the church has to be cared for and established. So that's part of the mission. And it's it's also vital to recognize Emmaus Road Church is a church plant. We, we were planted 10 years ago now. And part of our mission is not just to plant churches and then move on. Right. Like there is a sense of there needs to be some maintenance takes place. The, yep. These churches are to be even in themselves, after they've been planted, need to be cared for and tended. That's why Paul says to Titus, you know, I appoint elders. What are the elders going to do? They're going to shepherd the flock among you. They're going to care for the flock. Um, if we just, if our mission is just to encircle the globe with as many churches as possible, well, we could maybe do that, but we'd just be a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. The, the goal is to advance, but with deep, rich yeah. churches. So that's like, like, why plant a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where there's churches everywhere? Well, because we believe there's work to do, <laughs> and the gospel is not as clear as everybody thinks it is. And so we want to plant a church there. We want to plant a church in this town or, or that town, even here in America, even in the Bible Belt, even in, you know, I mean, think of Europe, just a wasteland for a lot of missions. Experts will say Europe is a wasteland for missions. This is where missions and missionaries go to die. How can that be when it Europe exists because of the gospel <laughs> in the way that it does. And yet you can see that as soon as you assume the gospel and take it for granted and move away from its the church's purpose mm. and simply focus on mission, that those are the examples of why we need both the message and the mission yeah. together to, to really, to, to, for it to quote unquote stick. That's right. Um, so this is rich. This really does define in a lot of ways, obviously our church, why we do what we do. As elders, it informs everything that mm-hmm. we do. How can we disciple our people? How can God's word feed them? How can it protect them from the wolves that are surrounding us all the time? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's been rich to sit on this, especially for us as pastors in, in a local context. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really important that even though we talk about these lofty, what is the mission of the church? For us, it looks like Sunday mornings mm-hmm. at that Sioux Falls Christian gathering with these specific people, these yeah. dear people. I was just reminded the other week or the, when we gathered for uh, Greg's night of honoring him, which was just incredible. And to see all the people in there and to know them and to know their stories and to just gather together and, and sing and to be encouraged and built up. I was just filled up 
even though I w- we all went to honor Greg, I felt filled up yeah. just leaving. Just man, what a good. what a sweet That's church! Good. What a great church to to be a part of. So, yes. thank you, Mays Road Church, for for helping make this mission possible and and joyful. <laughs> it really yeah. has been a joy. So, all right, till next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.